0: Okay, if you were to take a black and white monster or horror film from back in the day and remake it in color, a la Night of the Living Dead 1990, what movie and who would you get to direct it?
1: Hmm, I think I would do Carnival of Souls with Ari uh, Aster. Aster, is I say his last name? I, I think I so, so, yeah.
0: You got the ass part right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: got him. Uh, that's who I would go with. I think that would be uh, really interesting because it's already a very artsy horror movie, especially for the time. So to see what his uh, mind could bring to it,
0: I think would be uh, awesome. Okay, that's actually not too bad. I can I can actually probably see that. Yeah,
2: that'd be really interesting. I wonder, uh, Garrett, have you seen the original Carnival Souls? Yeah, I've actually seen Carnival Souls. I wonder if Ari Oster or Aster or Aster or Uaster... <laughs> Um, if he would um, ruin that movie for you, or if he would just like put in way too many um, symbolic imagery or something
0: like that, or I wonder if it would like change the movie entirely. There's a lot of symbolic imagery in the first one. So I mean, I don't think it'd be too far of a leap. I think what we'd run into is like trying to make it visually artistic. Like how much time would he spend on that? But at the same time, though, if you remember, there's a lot of scenes in that movie where she's just walking around like the Utah Salt Flats, and there's a lot of her like walking around that fucking abandoned amusement park. So I, th- I think he'd do a good job with it. I don't know if I'd particularly love it, but I mean, I think he'd do a fine job with it.
1: Yeah, it's already a kind of slow movie, so I think, I think he would do really well. Um, and I think it could stand for a little bit more cinematography, uh, especially how the genre of filmmaking has evolved in the last 30 or 40 jesus 50 years this movie's old
0: you're old <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i am old uh but has this movie you know have how movie making has evolved it would be interesting to see if there would be like a different take on that
0: i i would love to see that actually yeah i like that that's actually a really good answer now are you guys
2: aware that this movie was remade in 1998 no that means it's good if you don't know, it exists. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen it myself, but I just checked it out. And it's there's one that came out in 98. that says, Wes Craven presents Carnival of Souls,
0: directed by Larry Miller. Wow, Larry Miller. Yeah, I wonder how that turned out. I mean, it sounds like uh, someone's got a homework project, John.
1: <laughs> I feel like whenever it's more famous person presents that is a bad sign yes Uh, it very rarely ends well
2: yeah absolutely the fact that none of us have heard of this remake and uh it was presented by somebody else it's a completely forgotten remake i'm sure it's going to be a five-star movie
1: mark did you look at the poster for this film
2: is it the one with the balloons and the people's faces in the balloons
1: yeah Oh, I'm already scared. It's also only 85 minutes long. Ooh, that's (laughs) not a good sign. Lots of strikes against this movie.
2: One of us should watch it or all of us should watch it. I don't know. (laughs) We'll have to figure this out off air. Yeah. I decided to go a little different route with it. Um, You know, I've been watching a lot of Godzilla movies, as you know, and um, I would like to see maybe some of the more creature features or the giant monster kaiju movies remade that we haven't seen in a while. Um, One that I grew up watching with my dad was called Beginning of the End from 1957. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this one. It's when giant grasshoppers attack a metropolitan area. So these, I mean, they are scaling the buildings and just eating the bricks and mortar. and, And it's just, you know, one of those classic... Um, matinee style films you know like maybe like the deadly manis or something like that but it's a bunch of grasshoppers i would love to see an updated take on some of those more ham-fisted monster movies there's also another one called space amoeba in 1970 that's a uh, it's going to be one of them toho picture type movies it's about a giant squid that comes from outer space (laughs) Um, and then if if i wanted to see something more in the line of the godzilla universe I'd love to see Rodan get his standalone movie. He was one of the best parts of Godzilla King of Monsters that came out a year or two ago. So I would just absolutely love to see more of that giant bird
0: pterodactyl monster on screen. I've actually seen um, all three of those. And let me tell you, they are good. I really enjoy those movies. Um, Who would you get to direct the beginning of the end? So that's a good question. I don't know. So it was like, who
2: is kind of doing that style of movie? So the guy that did King of Monsters, Michael Doherty, I think he did a pretty competent uh, job on that last Godzilla. I think I liked it more than the original uh, 2014 reboot. So somebody like him, but if we're looking for some kind of like obvious fit-in movie, I don't know who in Hollywood would make that. And I definitely don't want somebody like uh, Mr. Transformers, uh, Michael Bay, you know, I would not like that route. So (laughs) do you guys have any suggestions on directors?
1: Yeah. Uh, Roland Emmerich.
2: <laughs> that that would be interesting. I'd like to see what happens with that.
1: Give that man a monster movie. Let him get to work.
2: Maybe one of the lesser known ones. Like I could see him do the giant grasshopper one. You know, beginning of the end. I don't think I'd hand that man Rodan. <laughs> but you know, he's he he has done so many of those end of the world apocalyptic style what is it
1: 2012 yeah all that shit independence day you know he knows how to shoot uh epic film
2: yeah okay we'll get him for that one and then we'll let michael doherty do uh, a rodan movie and then maybe we'll just give it to someone in toho to be like please make space amoeba who doesn't need squids from space attacking Earth? You know what I'm saying. All right, what do you what do you got, Garrett? What'd you come up with?
0: So I thought about long, long, and hard about this because, as you guys know, I want a very good werewolf movie, and we've had some good ones throughout time. Uh, you know, American Werewolf in London. We had uh, the Howling. I almost call it the Wolfening, but it's the Howling. <laughs> um, but to be honest, if I'm if I'm thinking about a black and white old like horror monster movie that I'd like to like see redone with a modern person's take, I want it to be visually unique. I want it to be kind of like, you know, John, like you had Ari Aster in mind for Carnival of Souls. Like, you know, he'll bring a very unique vision to that film. I want to see Rob Zombie do Haxon. Oh shit. The visuals and everything in that is just right for his like music video style craziness. Like think house of a thousand. Think, think less devil's rejects and three from hell and more house of a thousand corpses. But with Haxon, I think he could do a dope-ass interpretation of that. I would love to see that. I think that would be next level. And like let him do some music for it and stuff like that. Bam! That's what I want.
2: Now, if our listeners are not familiar with Haxan, that is a silent film from 1922, made in Sweden, um, all about the, uh, the wiles and the ways that the demons will trick your women into becoming witches. Um, it's it's really, really fun to watch. Uh, just knowing that this movie is almost 100 years old at this point. Now, Garrett, are you going to make uh, Rob Zombie? Is he going to do a silent version of his own? Or are you going to add dialogue? Like, what are you thinking?
0: You know, I don't want to step on the toes of a creative person because, you know, when you have a vision, you just have to go for it. I think... I would leave that up to him. I personally would probably enjoy a silent version of it, just music. I mean, he can have lyrics in the music and stuff like that. But I think like a you know a long ass music video <laughs> would be awesome. But you know if he wants to if he wants to put some dialogue in there, I I feel like he could do it right. I don't think he'd he'd burden it down too much with a bunch of like excess plot that's not necessary. I
2: think you might run the risk of having to feel like like a modern movie structure on this old movie that was more of like a Beware, you know, more. It was almost like a public service announcement against witchcraft, right? There is no, like, there's no central character in Haxon. It's just a lot of vignettes of, like, them flipping through this de- devil book, and then the scenes kind of play out. So, yeah, I man, there's a lot that they could be done there. And, but I would, I kind of would not like it if there was, like, this is Jill, you know, she's going to turn into the witch in this movie or something
0: like that.
1: Was, <laughs> maybe it could be, like, um, an anthology movie with each, with a different director, yeah, doing a different vignette.
0: Yeah, let a bunch of different, like, awesome, like, you know, like, Spike Jones, let a bunch of, like, badass, like, you know, music video directors just take a crack at, like, each section of Haxon and just do it as, like, a, a, an anthology kind of, like, uh, PSA, if you
2: will. Oh, that'd be rad, man. We could get David Fincher in there, too. He used to do music
0: videos before he went off and did Alien 3. Oh, yeah. We got like Chris Cunningham who did all the fucking Apex Twin videos and shit like that. Dude, could you imagine his section? Fucking get out of here.
1: You know who else (laughs) did music videos? Michael Bay. Get him in here.
0: (laughs) You know what? I was thinking about your when you said Michael Bay earlier and I was like, I would love to see the beginning of the end done by Michael Bay because then we could get Joe, the mute, and the big like tough guy to be like bad boys (laughs) and take on the uh, giant grasshoppers. All right. Yeah. Okay. I think we've, uh, we've
2: come up with some really good ideas here. Uh, we're going to kickstart these. We're going to put up an Indiegogo fund. Um, somebody at Rob Zombie, let us know uh, if he is interested, and we will get on these projects. And uh, Giant crasshoppers and Hackson is coming soon to a podcast theater near you.
1: <laughs> I bet Hackson's uh, public domain, so really, we don't even have to buy rights. All right. One hurdle down.
0: Good point. <laughs> One step forward. Who's going to take two steps back? <laughs>
2: Hey, all you creatures from cyberspace! Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Grave Talk Podcast. My name is Mark. Again, joined with Garrett and John, fellas. We're back for another episode this week. How we doing?
1: Pretty, pretty good. Not too bad. I mean, you know,
2: what's the point in complaining? I'm, I'm tired of complaining. Let's uh, let's let's talk about some stuff to get our minds off whatever we got going on normally. What have we been up to since last time? We watch anything we want to bring up, warn the public about, put praises on, shine a spotlight call the cops on, arrest any directors. What are you thinking?
1: Wow, that's a really high bar mark. I don't uh I don't know if I can reach that.
2: <laughs> well, you know,
0: stand on your tippy toes and try. I want to shine a spotlight on Mark's uh, half-drunk um, Last Drive-In live tweets. Those are fantastic. I agree. <laughs>
2: okay. Yeah. You liking those?
0: Every every week I turn it on and I'm all like, I never know what movies they're doing. And I can just always like read the context clues and like your, uh, your tweets. And I was like, ooh, they're doing Exorcist 3 this week. That's nice. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Um, the, the Last Drive-In community on Twitter is, is a place that you can go on Friday nights have some drinks and watch a movie and just kind of watch people's reactions. You know, we're kind of at the point now where I've seen half of what they're showing. So it's kind of like, Oh, I can just chill back and, and pay more attention to Twitter this round. And then, you know, he'll show one that I've never heard of. Like deadbeat by dawn was one they did last night from like 1988. I'm like, I've never heard of this movie before, but it's basically if you mixed escape 2000 with street trash and it's just like this low budget, Gorilla style filmmaking movie that m- was made in the 80s new york you know they're throwing bodies into the streets with live moving cars you know they didn't get permits to do any of this stuff so it's fun to get context to these films with joe bob and then you're watching you're like this is a really bad movie but man some of this stuff is pretty neat um so it's always a good time i reckon encourage anybody who likes horror movies to tune in on shutter friday nights get some context on these movies listen to along joe bob rant and enjoy a film
0: you might not have heard of before and I'll be there. What was that one they did the other day? That um, oh god, it was fucking bizarre. Like so many people had a problem with it. Um, You're probably referring to uh, blood sucking freaks. Yes, blood sucking freaks, which I had heard about and I'd never seen. But oh my god. Like, people on Twitter were going apeshit over that movie. It was, like, so polarized. Like, I have some people, like, some friends that were like, this is disgusting trash. And some people were like, okay, I don't know what the fuck this is, but I got to keep watching. I was like, it's just interesting some of the movies they pick because it really just kind of, like, it hits on all sides of that spectrum.
2: Yeah, most definitely. Bloodsucking Freaks was a freaking freak show as the title suggests man from 1976 like i didn't know they could get that lewd and disgusting in the 70s you know he's like oh it's probably morality tale you know the christians are controlling everything well people are still making these crazy movies back then um, so yeah, that's a good one to highlight. Just like what what is out there, you know, what is Joe Bob gonna drudge up this week and and have us check out? If you haven't seen Bloodshucking Freaks, go into it expecting something uh, a little uh, more raunchy than I don't know if they could make this movie today is what I'm trying to say.
0: Raunchy is is a certain term for it. I would say almost disgusting. <laughs> like it's not just like gore, just like I don't know. That movie made me really uncomfortable. I kind of like it, but I'm also appalled by it at the same
2: time. It's a really strange feeling to have on a movie. I don't want to watch this, but I can't look away. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, John, you got anything to bring up?
1: Um, Let's see. Well, if folks are following my letterbox, they'll know I've watched dozens of movies recently, but I want to highlight two, Shine a Spotlight, whatever we're doing. I watched Let's Scare Jessica to Death from 1971. Uh, very interesting movie. I'd recommend that one. It was kind of trippy. Not Nothing at all. Like the movie y'all were just discussing, uh, Disgusting. <laughs> that
0: seems accurate,
1: <laughs> but uh, a very kind of trippy, like mindfuck almost. It's a good one, better than I expected it to be.
0: Now, what did that one get a remake recently? I, that sounds familiar. I don't know if it has, but that name sounds familiar. So I feel like it has to had to popped up recently in some kind of like media. Okay, maybe maybe it just kind of came.
2: Yeah, like you're saying, popped up on in people's consciousnesses on online because. I had been seeing that name quite a bit recently, and I was like, is that a new one? I don't know what that is.
1: I think it just popped up on some streaming service. I feel like that's how it came to the forefront relatively recently. I, I don't think there was a remake, but I'm not sure. Uh, and then, per tradition, I watched an, uh, an exorcism movie. This one was called The Ascent from 2019. Um, and it was actually decent. I liked it. It uh, had a twist, which I did not see coming. It is much better than the general exorcism movies that are out there these days so uh, if you're into
0: he was an atheist the whole time
1: (laughs) Uh, it has a very creepy poster which has absolutely nothing to do with the movie uh so that was a disappointment but the poster (laughs) it is terrifying and it makes me so uncomfortable to look at
2: so the poster looks like it's um it's kind of like a relief or something that has holes on like inside a man's head and then there's fingers coming from out of his head yeah. with the upside down Satan cross. Yeah, that's weird looking.
1: Yeah, it makes me so uncomfortable to look at just, what's it, uh, trypophobia or whatever, where you're afraid of holes. I think it, it brings that up. It's very uncomfortable. But uh decent movie. I'd recommend it.
2: Well, let's get into today's movie. We're going to be talking about a remake of one of the original zombie, well, one of the original modern zombie films, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, This one was done in 1990, directed by Tom Savini. This one, I spent almost the majority of my life not knowing it existed. What about you guys? I didn't even know this movie was made until maybe two or three years ago. Wow.
1: Same. (laughs) I also didn't know this movie existed uh, until Garrett said we should do it for the podcast. So I don't know. What was that? Six months ago or so? Uh, (laughs) About that, yeah. It's like, oh, all right, cool.
2: Now, Garrett, did, is, why did you want to do this woman in particular um, instead of the original?
0: So I love the original, and I, I I grew up like I wouldn't say grew up like when I was a young kid, but like I saw it pretty early on. And um, neither Living Dead always fascinated me because just people at their base level always just like is really intriguing to me. And I thought that movie for its time, and you know, it took me a while to kind of figure this all out. But you know, with subsequent watches, you know, it really is a great expose of like how people react and how people truly are and their natures and stuff like that. And I wanted to do it on the podcast because I, we've done some other zombie films. But, you know, 28 Days Later is its, its own very unique thing. Girl with All the Gifts, a very unique thing. We hadn't really done any kind of like just standard in the middle of the road genre zombie films. This is a movie that not a lot of people have heard about, kind of like you guys experienced. You know, it's something that you may be slightly aware of, but you, a lot of people haven't actually seen it because they did colorize the original one at some point, and they were releasing that, and I think a lot of people assumed these were the same things. But this was, I think, Tom Savini's like first directorial debut. You know, it's got Tony Todd in it, as I'm sure you're about to go through the list. But that man just—I oh, don't know why he hasn't won an Oscar. <laughs> I love Tony Todd so much. Um, but no, I, I really wanted to do this one because I think it, it adds something a little, a little more unique to the original. Uh, that ending is a little more fleshed out. The, the messaging is a little bit more uh, on display. And some of the acting in it just really, really just hits home with me. So I don't know. I just kind of wanted to share it because, again, a lot of people I know have just never heard of this or have never seen it. So I just try to get the word out.
2: We haven't done zombies in a while. And I think probably due to the fact that we collectively are just kind of exhausted with the zombie genre right we've said that before it's not that um they're not good movies out there it's just so many of them and it's so hard for these things to be original at this point that when they do come around i'm more likely to pass on them right so um yeah it's been a while i'm glad we're coming back to one of the the zombie movies i would like to maybe say we should we should think about doing dawn of the dead Either the
0: original or the remake from 06. Can I ask you why? I mean, I, I ask that not as like, like a condescending type question, but like I have never been a fan of Dawn of the Dead. It, it's enjoyable, but like out of day and night, like Dawn is always the third rank for me. And so I'm just curious, like everyone loves Dawn of the Dead so much. I'm just kind of curious what it is about Dawn that like you're like, yeah, Yo, we should do Dawn.
2: Out of the trilogy of movies. You know, I hadn't seen Day of the Dead until we did it for this podcast when we started this thing two years, two and a half years ago. Um, I'd seen Night of the Living Dead, right? But Dawn of the Dead is the one that I think I saw first. And I just, I like the idea of the struggle humans will have to work together, even when they have every resource available to them. Like, you know, in that movie, they go hole up in a mall, right? And they still can't get together, even though they are, you know, get their... Uh, Wits about them without having some trouble between each other and they've got every resource they could need in the mall a gun shop Food, you know, it's all right there and it's it still comes crumbling down around them On top of the fact that it's the movie that takes place when we see a metropolitan city go to shit by zombie attack Um, where night of the dead is, is secluded in the woods And it happens around one house, and then Day of the Dead, we're past the initial outbreak, and we're at a military base, right? So this one's like right in the shit.
1: I think I like watching the world collapse, the initial craziness. I'm a big fan of of that kind of stuff. If I'm thinking of the right movie, right? Doesn't that open up with uh, the fast zombies killing people in their bedroom?
0: Yeah, in the remake, yes. No, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I'm always just curious. because I mean, I know a lot of people tend to gravitate towards that one because it was the first one they were exposed to. So I was just curious, you know, if there was more to it than that, because talking to people about like why they like certain movies, because I like some shit movies. And so I'm always just curious, like why people gravitate towards a certain thing.
1: Here's a fun fact. I've never seen the original uh, Dawn of the Dead. I've seen the remake like five times, uh, but I've never seen the first, like the original
0: Oh, wow. The feels are totally different. They feel very, very different. Is it still slow zombies? Oh, yes. Yes. It's Romero's zombies tend to, I think, through every single one of them, including um, Land of the Dead, they're all the slow-moving zombies. Am I right, Mark? Yeah, you're right on that.
1: I'm a fast zombie guy.
0: Yeah, it wasn't until the remakes that we started seeing like fast zombies to kind of ratchet up the tension and stuff like that, which I don't have a problem with. I just think, you know... um, Dawn, the original Dawn, as opposed to the remake, relies more on kind of like as Mark said, the the interactions between the characters and um, the bigger concepts. As the newer one, while it deals with that stuff, um, also has the ability to rely on like gore and kind of like actiony scenes and stuff like that that we didn't really get in the first one. So I agree with you on that. All right, well, here's who we got in this one: the 1990
2: Night of the Living Dead remake. Uh, This one is going to be starring, as Garrett mentioned, Tony Todd as Ben, Patricia Tallman as Barbara, Tom Towles as Harry Cooper, McKee Anderson as Heligan Cooper, William Butler as Tom, Katie Finnerin as Judy Rose, Bill Mosley as Johnny, and Heather Mazur as Sarah Cooper. All right, here's what the box of the 1993 UK release has to say about this remake. Fun fact, this movie didn't get released in the UK until 1993. For whatever reason, it took three years to get across the pond. Take a trip into your worst waking nightmare with Tom Savini as he guides you through his shocking and visceral 90s remake of George A. Romero's horror classic Night of the Living Dead. While visiting the grave of their mother, Barbara and her brother are attacked by a rabid flesh-eating zombie. Barbara manages to escape and reaches the relative safety of a seemingly deserted farmhouse. She is joined shortly by a young drifter, Ben. Trapped inside the farmhouse, they prepare themselves for a nightfall and the massing onslaught of armies of the undead. Uh, And then it goes to go, uh, the the box tells us who Tom Savini is and all the work he's done uh, just to really get you to rent that video. So what do you guys think in Night of the Living Dead? Does it deserve accolades? Does it deserve to exist? Does it do anything better than the original? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I thought it was fine. I liked, obviously, Tony Todd. I think he definitely carried this movie just on his back, which, uh, good work. I, that was very impressive, the guy. I know you just said it. Of course, I don't know their name, though. Who played Cooper. Uh, excellent, excellent job, because you definitely come to loathe that man. Really, I think those two were the standouts for me, but... I don't know that I would ever watch this movie again. Um, I'm not a slow zombie fan in general. And I don't know. It really, this movie, for me, didn't do anything too special. But for what it did do, I think it did it well.
2: I, I kind of liked that we were going back to the slow moving zombies. I I kind of like that it gives the survivors a little more wiggle room to survive uh, and, and kind of navigate the area do you what would you call it the inferior version of the zombie if the fast-moving ones like the alpha that we've come to know with modern cinema in the 2000s um they still can't get their shit together and, and get working as a team to get through it right even only the only one that seems to do so throughout the film is is barbara I, I think this movie's pretty good. And granted, I haven't seen the original in a while. I would watch it again. I don't think I'm quite as cold on in that aspect of it as John. Um, I do share some sentiment of it being like, is it too close to the original though? When this movie came out, Siskel or Roger Ebert, one of those two guys, said, why does this one even exist? Why would you want to dunk on the classic and do it so closely to the original, right? And that's something that we kind of bring up in all of our remake discussions that we've already talked about. Is like, what is the point of a remake? Is it to just update it and bring it to an audience? Like, should you be doing something original with it entirely or what exactly? And I think this movie kind of treads both with its
0: new ending, but then it also does so much that the original does. I, You know, that's a great question, but I have to pose, you're a video game guy, I have to pose a counter, you know, point to that of you know they remade the resident evils almost beat for beat just with better visuals and they have sold like gangbusters that's what the fans wanted um while i do believe remaking something exactly note for note can seem redundant and you know if if a if a beautiful classic original exists you know like why would you remake it but why do they remake ben hur all the time you know gladiator and all that stuff i mean sure it's a little different but you know what i'm saying like they do remakes all the time and things, and people have no problem. But when it comes to movies, um, you know, they people tend to, to shit on it. When they make uh, movies like Batman vs. Superman, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's not like it was in the comic, you know, and people are upset by that. I personally, especially with like my Marvel movies, I'm glad they take a few liberties and make a few changes. But they kind of keep the the integrity and the the general basis of the story intact, I don't know. I thought this movie did a good enough job on that. My main complaint with this movie is that there are a few scenes that could have definitely been edited down or been 80s montages with like a badass pop song. and I would have been just as happy. Um, (laughs) Not really, but you know what I'm saying? Like like when they're hammering up all the um, the boards and the windows and stuff like that, that there's a lot of hammering. (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> just like at some point I was like, I can we can cut back on a little of this. <laughs> but I don't know. I kinda like the fact that it really was beat for beat the same movie, but um with a new polish and a new like kind of like custom fin and paint job on it.
1: I think though one of the differences between like a video game remaster a remake and a movie is when you're hiring new actors and actresses, you're not just polishing it. You're replacing a performance, right? The way that the uh, the Tony Todd plays Ben is different than whomever the original actor who played Ben uh, did it. Uh, same for Barbara, right? Like, so I think that's where people get upset. Is it's not. That they're just going in and and changing, upgrading all the special effects. You're essentially erasing the OG performance.
0: Well, I don't I I don't see it as erasing because in video game remakes, you know, they get new voice actors. I don't see it as erasing though because the original film doesn't go away. There's plenty of movies that I have remakes of that I will go back and watch the original of instead, just because I know it's a far superior movie. Like they're remaking Scarface. Um, I don't know why, but they're remaking Scarface, which the Al Pacino Scarface was a remake of the uh, like 50s or 60s Scarface so again it's like I don't know I I don't think that's a problem because it the original doesn't go away because of it I don't know I mean that's a good point though it's a it's a very
2: strange place to be when it comes to remakes right you say it doesn't erase it uh, and it may be so for someone like of our age who are familiar with the classics but let's say we fast forward 65 years, and let's say that the remake is all of a sudden more well-regarded than the original, what are future generations going to, you know, are they going to go back and seek out the original? Let's say, for example, John Carpenter's The Thing, right? There's still, there's a pretty good amount of people right now that aren't, you know, deep into horror like us that don't know that that was originally a movie in the 50s. So what is that going to look like in 60 years' time? Is, like, people going to say The Thing and be like, yeah, that 1980s one, man... You know if the if the if the remake outshines the original, then what happens to the original? I wonder, in the social consciousness of uh, of people, I guess.
0: but I think that's I think that's just the way it is with anything. I mean, how many people remember MySpace? How many kids remember Myspace as opposed to Facebook? You know, I think I think society and things like that are going to put things in the forefront based off the generation and the accessibility of their media and what's available to them. but, I, it doesn't it doesn't erase it i i see what you guys are saying i just i don't know i feel like this is i feel like this shouldn't be held against it
2: yeah and i don't know i'm not sitting here i'm not sitting here on the fence or you know one side or the other on the i'm just kind of posing the question i was like what do you guys think exactly um I don't mind that they've remade this movie. You know, I, I, again, I didn't even know it existed until recently. But what was the what was the purpose behind it, I guess? You know what I mean? Like, why did they want to remake it now or in
0: 1990? Because it's important to Savini. And maybe he just really, you know, like was like, man, this was an amazing flick. And I, mean, I'm, I don't want to speak for Tom Savini, but like
1: that would be really nice. But the reason they remade it is because they forgot to copyright the original one. And George Romero wasn't getting any money. So he wanted to remake it to copyright it and make money. That's why they remade this movie. At least.
0: <laughs> okay, well then right on. I mean that's that's cool. I mean you I respect
1: know. that, but uh yeah, it's not for like some sort of deep artistic reason. But also I'm not anti remake. I'm actually normally pretty pro remake, but I can't understand people who don't like remakes. For the record, I'm I'm I normally like remakes, so but also I have terrible taste in movies, so don't take any <laughs> advice from me.
0: But to your point, Mark, that's, that's really funny. To your point, Mark, though, you know, like The Thing is a great example. Like, you know, when I first saw The Thing, I had no idea it was a remake. You know, like if it if it hadn't been for the remake of The Thing, I never would have been exposed to the original. If it hadn't been for the 90s remake of Nine Living Dead, it, there's potentially people out there who never would have been exposed to the original uh, Nine Living Dead. You know, Ramiro's original black and white film. Um, so, I don't know. I think they have a time and place. I think it depends on how you handle it. Like, I personally, like the modern remakes of Dawn of the Dead with the fast zombies, and I love Ving Rames, but, like, I really don't like that movie. I think it does a disservice to Dawn of the Dead. But it doesn't take away, but it also may have exposed people like, oh, well, I saw this. It was okay. And then, like, oh, what's this original one? And they may see that and be like, yo, this is the shit right here. This is, this is where it's at. So... I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it just has to be handled with. I I think it has to be done by people who have a love for the project. Um, A really good example that is, and this is going to be very controversial to you guys, I know. (laughs) Uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween, Um, while it does some very different stuff, he does completely remake Halloween into that movie. I think that he went to that movie like just loving that franchise. You you can tell that he cared about it. So when he remade it, he really did like put the effort in. I feel like Dawn of the Dead was a very studio film, the the remake. and it just lacks some of that. I don't know. it's it's a really it's a really good question. I think that everyone has to kind of, you know, I think it has a a purpose, a positive, and potentially negatives if handled incorrectly. yeah,
2: I think there's a lot to be unpacked when it comes to remakes because you've got studios who want to make money. you've got artists who's got a vision. Um, John was touching on a little bit, and we could have easily dumped into the cynical side of the remakes. It's just like, it's just a cash grab, right? What was RoboCop 2014 or whenever the hell that came out? Nobody even fucking talks about that one, or the um, the Arnold Schwarzenegger "Get Your Ass to Mars" remake, <laughs> Boo. Total Recall. These were terrible remakes that nobody talks about. Uh-huh. They're just like RoboCop, for example. I, you know, that is a five star movie. I just rewatched it, and that movie is still incredible. And then when they brought RoboCop into Mortal Kombat 11, guess which RoboCop it is? It sure ain't that lame black
0: plastic version from the 2014 film.
1: I'll have you know that Total Recall remake was actually pretty decent. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> I never I never saw it, but um, well, like Judge Dredd, they remade Judge Dredd and man, I'm glad they did because that new Judge Dredd, even though I'm not a Dredd fan, like was fucking pretty hardcore and awesome. I was like, it's a really well done movie. Yes,
1: I wish they'd make a sequel to that so badly. That fucking Dread movie was legit.
0: Yes, Carl Urban's Dread is incredible. It just depends on how it's handled and how it's done. And I think...
1: I don't think Dread is a... Now we're really getting into the weeds, but I don't think Dread is a remake. Dread isn't a remake of Judge Dread. It's a different take on the source material. It's
0: its own separate story. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's, That's fair. Mark, to your point, though, RoboCop definitely was a remake of the original movie. Yeah, that was trash. That scene where they hold that kid looking right at that dude's crotch is so weird. (laughs) I just can't can't get over how they frame that. It's just like, he's just, how are you doing? And the kid's like, hi. And he's like, just staring right at RoboCop's crotch. And I'm like, guys, pan up or down. This is weird.
2: Very strange. And just to remind our listeners, I fell asleep in the remake. That's how great it was. (laughs) And I am super in love with the original film. (laughs)
0: Uh, I forgot about that. That was awesome.
2: I'll just say this one last thing to kind of wrap us back into the actual movie we're talking about. Um, I think it also has to a lot to do with the viewer, the individual viewer. How close to your heart do you hold that property that's being remade? That's really going to affect your opinion on one way or another on a remake. For instance, I love RoboCop. Um, Once I found out it was the black costumed RoboCop, I was like, I'm already out. Like, you guys have already changed too much you're killing my baby <laughs> so Vanderhoven get back in here and fix this Robocop
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I think things could be bad remakes but good film uh that Robocop is neither it is a bad remake and a horrible film.
0: What were they thinking? Welcome back to cop talk <laughs>
2: yeah listener, if you take anything away from this episode is that remake is trash don't watch it
0: <laughs> I love that that's the that's the one thing you should take away from this episode is the Robocop remake was trash. <laughs>
2: All right, well, let's talk about what we're here to talk about, 1990s Night of the Living Dead. This one on Rotten Tomatoes is sitting at a 68% with the critics and a 68% with the audience. It's mirror imaged, Um, 64,171 folks have uh, weighed in on that. Now that has to be a modern score. I can't imagine it would have been a 68 in 1990. Yeah, didn't this do really bad? Yeah, did you guys see the numbers on it? I think, um, according to Wikipedia, the budget was 4.2 million, and it made 5.8 at the box office. Uh, that is a
0: bomb. I believe that would qualify as a bomb. Well, I think it. I think it bombs if you don't make your money back, right?
2: Well, there's that uh, that secret equation that everybody talks about, which is like you got to double the budget. Because of advertising campaigns and everything. hmm
0: okay, interesting.
1: Yeah, I think it flopped pretty much. You had already talked about Siskel and Ebert, both hated it uh, and I, I'm pretty sure contemporary reviews were brutal.
2: So let's kick this one off. This one gets started with um, a very very like like we were saying it, it kind of mirrors the the original a lot that we've got Barbara and, and was it Johnny was uh, Mosley's character in this one? Yep, Johnny. They're on their way to visit their father's gravesite at the request of the mother. And it sounds like maybe the dad had passed away recently enough that the mother was sending their children off to do like a, a very reoccurring visit. Because Johnny's just kind of like, why are we doing this? We just were here like a week ago or something like that, right?
0: Yeah, no, it definitely comes across that way. I don't know the exact time Frame of the uh, the death and the uh, the family dynamic, but um, yeah, Johnny's definitely kind of like, oh, we're we're doing this nonstop, and Barbara is very much feel. I don't want to say it's obligation, but she feels a a sense of um, duty to kind of like do these without complaining, these visits.
2: Now, honestly, if this were me and this were my seventh trip, would it cross your minds to maybe just tell your mother that you drove three hours out of the way to go say hi to dad for the 18th time and maybe just go hit the bar for an hour and then come home in the evening and be like, yep,
0: we did it again. We we said hello to father. He's good. I don't think Barbara would let that happen. I think Barbara <laughs> is a little bit too much. Play it, play it by the book, you know honest about it and you know good for her it's it's your your dead dad so (laughs) maybe you should do that yeah, no, they're they're definitely driving there. And you can get the dynamic that, that Johnny doesn't want to be there. Um, God, every time I see Bill Moseley from like the late 80s, early 90s, all I can think is like, this is the origin for Chop Top every single time. Well, this was post Chop Top. So he'd already done that role. Oh, I know. I'm just saying, like, I always imagine any character that he plays with, like hair and stuff is basically Chop Top's origin story. This is st- He didn't actually go to NOM. He just basically went through this. <laughs> That's how he became Chop Top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, Barbara, they get there. Um, Barbara looks like um, that one female chipmunk from Alvin and the Chipmunks, <laughs> the the middle one with the glasses. God, I can't remember her name, but that's what she kind of looks like. Uh, she also looks like Sarah uh, Sarah Masterson, Stuart Masterson or whatever from um, Some Kind of Wonderful. Is that the vibe you were getting, man? Because
2: I was getting a very uh, Breakfast
0: Club-esque. Um, what's her name? Molly Raywald. I can see it with the 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 colored hair and the kind of pinkish dress. I mean, that's some very pretty and pink kind of like visual, like you know. I could see you could easily attach the two, but I don't know. She seemed a little bit too square <laughs> for me to basically give her that Molly Ringwald pass. But um, we get the "they're coming to get you, Barbara" moment, which everyone's heard and everyone's heard referenced.
2: They're coming to get you, Barbara. They're coming to get you, Barbara.
1: Dude, they hammer that line to death. It—that's the first line of the movie, and he says it like twenty-five more times. Uh, they really fucking hammer that line into your mind.
0: Yeah, well, in the in the original, uh, Johnny says it quite a bit, but he doesn't say it quite as, um, (laughs) quite as right away. They're actually like walking through the. the, well, he says it in the, the graveyard, too. Yeah, but. but he
1: starts in the car. It's like, what are you even doing? How would that even come up? What context are you saying that in In the car? It
0: was a little off-putting, for sure,
2: when starting the movie off with the most iconic line of the original. I was like, really? I Why are you doing
0: that right now? The credits are still rolling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, like, nothing on the screen. It was, like, VO. And I was like, yo, okay. And, like, I thought they were going to be in the graveyard walking around. So when they, like, are still driving, I was like, um... Okay, we'll see how this goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But they get to the graveyard. They get out. I mean, this movie is... I don't think we have to like go beat by beat to the whole thing. Because if you're familiar with Night of the Living Dead, you know this. And if you're not, go watch the fucking movies. Either one. You'll be familiar. But um, this movie has really weird pacing. Like, it takes about an hour... In like five minutes before anything major starts happening.
1: Yeah, at first I thought like, oh sweet, this is going to be a really tight movie. Because they get to the zombie part in the first five minutes of the movie. They waste no time there. But then when Barbara gets to the house, they just pump the brakes they're like, okay, we've gone way too fa- fast. We have to fill up ninety minutes, and to your point, they're like, let's get hammering.
0: <laughs> well, they—I mean, the original movies like that too. Like, there is a lot. Like, they get to the house pretty quick, and then there's a lot. Basically, it's like a character story at that point, which there is. But yeah, there was a lot of like hammering. <laughs> so, they're in the graveyard. Um, they're going to to see their dad's grave. Johnny is like, they're coming to get you, Barbara. There's one right there. And you see some guy shambling towards them. And then he like gets to them and he goes, I'm sorry. Like he's apologizing to them. And you're like, what the fuck? And he's got blood on him. And then out of nowhere, they get attacked by zombies. Uh, They try to get out of the, um, the cemetery, but Johnny's character is attacked by zombies and then gets knocked over. And his head hits the side of a, a tombstone or a, what, what would you call the low, like low ones? Yeah, his
2: head meets the granite really hard and that just takes him out. Um yeah, it was like a it was like a
0: tombstone or a memorial statue of some kind or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think they're still called tombstones.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's like a really low profile one towards the ground. But yeah, he hits his head on that and it's like the dummy's head bends sideways. I was like, ugh. Like it's a pretty tough hit. Um, so of course, you know, at that point, Barbara's freaking out. She's, uh, trying to get away. She crashes, she gets in their, uh, Mercedes and doesn't have the keys, but she puts it in reverse and goes down the hill and smashes into a tree. And that was actually Tom Savini's, uh, car. Sorry, Tom, you're gonna have to buff that out. <laughs> exactly. Take that, Tom. They're moving the story along pretty quick. She's seen glimpses of, you know, dead people shambling. She gets up to this, um kind of country house would you call it a farm or is it just kind of a country house i think it's a farm it had a gas pump that's i didn't see any crops but yeah that's a good point john they did have like a, a gas pump which i guess maybe that was common back then like in the middle of nowhere you had your own gas because
1: I, I imagine the gas pump was there for try making my own head cannon so my head cannon was that the gas pump was there for tractors
0: oh yeah i i, I think so it There was a barn. I feel like it's a farm if it's got a barn.
1: Oh, that's a good rule. Barn equals farm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I got a barn. You saying I live on a farm? Yes, that is what I'm saying. That's the rule. It's
2: it's official now. Oh, okay. You heard it here. Yeah, so I want to talk just briefly about Barbara. The actress that played Barbara, what did you think of her performance?
1: It was all right. Considering she's essentially the lead uh, of the movie... Sometimes I think it it was not great. I'm trying to be nice. I don't want to be like, sometimes she was shit. But, uh, you know, compared to like Tony Todd, who I think really home run performance when they were acting in scenes together. I think she struggled a little bit to keep up personally.
0: I think that was the character though. Like I think she was supposed to seem... Out of it and aloof. And because when she starts hitting her own later on, when she starts like doing that, like, like, oh, I've lost it. I've lost it. I haven't lost it. And shoots that zombie straight in the head. Like, I feel like around that point, she's she's killing it. So I don't know. I think it was a character choice to kind of be kind of slow responding, kind of like out of it, you know, but I, I don't know. I don't know if that's actress or if that's character, but I, I want to believe it's character because I think she did a really good job later on.
2: I feel that the remake differs in who the emphasis of the main character is versus the original. Now you guys can correct me if my, if I'm not right. But this movie really poses Barbara as the main lead where I didn't get that in the original. Would you guys agree? Because like, at some point it becomes the
0: Ben story, right? Well, yeah. And the first one, I think Ben – the spoilers for the end, the, the endings are very different. Right. Um, but yeah, I think Ben is always kind of lead. But I think um, I think this was a conscious choice. If I remember reading correctly, they like they really wanted – Savini really wanted um, Barbara to be the only survivor to have like a, a female heroine that survived and became like the main badass character.
2: Yeah. And, and I'm totally okay with that decision. But I think that the actress – Like kind of with John and what you're saying, Garrett, like she really comes into the performance at the end. But I think her beginning performance as the scared and the meek leaves a little to be desired, especially when she's screaming her head off when she gets to the farmhouse. Um, Some of that stuff was just not believable. She'd be screaming and then look the other direction. And I, I actually laughed at it. I was like... That reminds me of Space Mutiny um, <laughs> level screaming and then jumping out of the Enforcer. You know what I'm saying? Like some of that. It wasn't nearly as bad as Space Mutiny, but <laughs> it gave me wafts of that kind of style of acting. I was like, oh, man, you could have done a
0: little bit better, Barbara. You know, yeah, I, I can see kind of that. I guess what like seemed like when she wasn't screaming and acting scared, she seemed like she had her shit two together to like flip back and forth between those so fast so maybe that's what you were feeling yeah
2: and and uh you know again i don't think she was terrible but she was leaving a little to be desired especially when she ends up being the main lead of this film when tony todd as john said is just delivering one of his best performances i think
1: yeah i mean this is like Candyman level performance for tony todd uh this is not uh this is really good
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is even better than Candyman, honestly. Like as far as like his performance, I really thought he did an amazing job in this, especially at the end when he's kind of like realizing the humor of everything. Yeah. Oh, that desperate humor. Oh man, that was such a great moment. Yeah,
2: this is better than Candyman. For I think it's because he's allowed to do more. With yeah. this character, right? He's got a wider range of emotion than the Candyman does.
0: Well, this is one of those movies that I'm sure actors would love to grab because, I mean, everyone has their own long-ass monologue scene. Like, everyone gets their own, except for, like, Judy Judy Ray or Judy Ray Allen or whatever, I don't know her name is. <laughs> everyone gets their, like, nice little monologue, which I thought was, like, some of them are pr- much better than others, but I don't know. I thought everyone did a good job.
1: And I think, and here's a very hot take, I think, Um in later movies, I feel like Tony Todd plays a caricature of himself and seeing him in this movie is like, oh yeah, he was really fucking good as an actor before he, I guess, maybe just stopped taking himself seriously because in his latest run of movies, y'all, he is not putting this kind of work in.
0: Do you think he's Nick Cage in it? He's just kind of playing himself as the character? Yeah.
1: I do. I definitely think that. I think it started in Final Destination, uh, and it has just gotten progressively worse.
2: I wonder if it's because it's what it, it's a it be it became expected of Tony Todd to be this caricature. You know what I mean? Maybe he hasn't gotten the roles that he's had to, been able to spread his legs and really be creative like he was in this film.
1: True. That, yeah, that's very possible for sure. Maybe he got typecasted after Candyman into this brooding in the shadows dark figure. Whereas here he's playing much more your, your normal, I mean, extraordinary in his leadership capability. Like he's just taking charge of the situation, but he's really just an average guy in the grand scheme of things. You know, he's not uh mystical or anything, which seems to be his MO later.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and I love his intro too, where he just rolls up in that Jeep. Cause like we get, um, Barbara who starts going through the house, not sure what's going on, kind of freaking out, kind of, and then she sees like, um, thing from the Adams family crawl over the ledge. Um, Basically, a severed hand falls off down at her, and then she falls down from it, which I don't know. Don't get me wrong. I've been hit by things, and things have fallen out of trees and hit me and stuff like that, and I've never been so startled I have to fall over. I mean, I'm quick to jump, (laughs) but I don't know. Um, And then the giant um, bald-headed overall zombie falls down. And man, when he falls, I don't know if that was a fake or that was a uh, stuntman, but man, he falls face first on that ground. And man, it looks like it hurts. So she moves out of the way and then she kind of freaks out and she runs back outside um, after seeing some zombies. And then that's when Tony Todd rolls up in this truck and he just is barreling down this road and there's a zombie shambling to the road and he just hits it full on. Pulls up to the house, gets out with a um, crowbar, which kind of looks like a hook on the end of his hand. Candyman reference, maybe.
2: It'd have to be proto because this is pre-Candyman. So it's alluding to the
0: coming of the Candyman. The seeds were planted at this time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. I'm I'm making this all up, of course. I don't know if that's actually true, but I'm gonna assume that's what what it was. We're making our own truths.
1: Yeah, it, it's called head cannon, y'all. So it's your head
0: <laughs> We'll go back to our cameo plan where we just get him to say stuff on cameo and then make it officially like canon.
1: Boom. <laughs> that's right.
0: So that's when he gets introduced to Barbara, and he just comes on the scene, like you said, uh, John. Like it's basically saying he has like great leadership skills out the gate. I don't know. Would you I don't know if I keep it together that well during something like this. Well,
2: I hope that I would do a better job than Barbara does because Barbara is just catatonic. She can't even speak at this point. Like you said, she lost her balance and fell backwards. It's like she is not with it. I don't think I would ever be in this state of not being able to respond to somebody. Like Tony Todd's looking at her, you know, Ben, he's like, "Listen, do you live here?" Anyone else inside? Huh? You got any shotguns in there? Hunting rifle, anything? <laughs>
1: I don't know. <laughs> I
0: don't. You don't know? Hey. <laughs> hey. hey. Hey,
1: hey. come on, come on! Come on! Come on!
2: Come on. Come on! Recognize that someone's speaking to you, and let's let's get it together. I don't, it's it's surprising to see someone that can be that oblivious to what's going around her turn into to a survivor at the end of this movie.
0: Yeah, no, I it's it's a weird choice, and I that's definitely the character's um, persona. Like she was supposed to be like that, but it's so hard for me to believe characters like that. Because I don't know if it's just like a something that people I hang out with or, you know, just I don't I don't see anybody I know who would behave like that. I don't I can't imagine basically shutting down to the point where I can't respond to someone who's literally trying to help me.
1: It feels like Barbara's character transition isn't earned, though, Mark. I really do agree with you. It's so hard to in because it's one day. It's a couple of hours and she goes from like shell-shocked, can't talk to Rambo. Um, Agreed.
0: (laughs) They drew first blood. It just It's hard
1: to buy.
2: Yeah, the passage of time doesn't quite add up to that growth. I, I do want to call out the effects on this. All the, I think all the zombie effects, all the practical makeup, the blood and gore and everything are absolutely great in this. Um, I think uh, did, I wonder did, how much
0: input did Savini have? Does anybody know if he got somebody else to do it? Oh, I think it was his team. I think, didn't he have like a, he had a team at that point, right? Didn't he have like the Savini like group that he worked with or whatever? Yeah, probably. I imagine that's true. That's definitely Savini's, either his team or him personally. But um, man, some of the gore effects. And you know what's weird though? Um, Compared to what we saw in like Day of the Dead and things like that, we didn't see that level of gore in this movie, but we did see some like very like disturbing imagery. Like the zombies really looked fucked up.
2: Yeah, they do. They were pretty disturbing to look at. So once they get inside the house, they kind of, they're assessing the situation and we, this is one of those zombie movies that, you know, uh, it's taking itself as if the idea of the zombie had never existed before, not even in, in the in the mind of pop culture, because they're like, what's going on? What's wrong with all those guys? And, and everybody's like, I have no idea, you know? Um, whereas we, some zombie movies are like, it's zombies. It's finally happened. Can you believe it? Um, how does that affect your viewing uh, when a movie wants you to, to think that zombies does never existed as a thought?
1: In 1989, a movie set where, in 1989, uh, I can buy it. All right, fine. Zombies haven't hit the zeitgeist like they did in... 2000 till now essentially Uh, but any movie that's supposedly set in the current day and everyone's like zombies never heard of them immediately takes me out i'm like that is ridiculous anything that's supposedly set in present time i do not buy it the 80s all right zombies i mean we assume these are country folk they live in a small town they're on a farm based on the barn uh, maybe they aren't plugged into horror, so I can kind of get that. Yeah, right. They're unfamiliar with zombies.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I I, I kind of expect the idea of zombie to be in my modern zombie movies heads, but again, this one was 20 years later after the first original zombie movie. But maybe because it's a remake of the original modern zombie movie, we got to let that go too, right?
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right about that. But uh, definitely to John's point though, like I don't think we had the sheer saturation of um zombies involved in culture that you know that we do now so yeah the the idea that people were like what the hell is this there's no way it could be that you know like i i still buy that and i think um i think that also comes down to the the script and the actors you know because i could easily see watching a movie that takes place in 2020 where someone's like what the fuck is this you know like oh my god i think they're dead no way what what you know like but it, it has to be sold really well and that's a hard it's a much harder sell when something's so commonplace in pop culture and, you know, society. So, you know, I think, I think all sides of that are accurate, but I am I'm, I'm with John. I'm with team John on this one. I think it's much harder to do that nowadays without being like, get the fuck out of here. What is a devil? I've never heard of this creation. <laughs> Tell me more. You know, what's weird. People probably know about zombies more than they know about nuclear bombs nowadays. <laughs> Like if you think about that, like kids and stuff like that, they probably are more familiar with like a zombie apocalypse than a nuclear holocaust. Yeah, you're right. That's pretty fucked up when you think about it.
2: Yeah, people know more about a fictitious potential apocalyptic event versus one that we've already unleashed on the planet.
0: So on that note, let's get back to, to zombies.
2: <laughs> sure, John. Um, at this point in the film, we're we're just introduced to all the the rest of the characters throughout, right? Some of they're all hiding out in the basement. Yeah. Well, who are these characters that we meet at this point?
1: We meet the Cooper family. Uh, Harry Cooper, the villain of this film. Helen Cooper, very nice lady, and their daughter Sarah, who was uh, "ill" quote unquote ill. Turns out she was bitten by a zombie, uh, and they are hiding that fact. These people are zombie bite hiders, um, and we meet uh, Judy Rose as Garrett has mentioned, and Tom, who I believe are the OG owners or related to the OG owners of the house.
2: Yeah. Now, if, if they'd seen any zombie movies before this, they would have just capped Sarah immediately because they know she was going to turn. True. But again, they don't know what's happening exactly. So that's not something that would make sense in this context of the film
0: that's the one thing in zombie films nowadays. Like you said, it's hard for me, like you guys to imagine people not knowing what a zombie is. It's harder for me to imagine them not going like, Oh, your daughter's sick. She's probably fucked up by whatever it's going on. Like the the people who dismiss that stuff, that's much harder for me to accept in a movie than it is that they don't know what a zombie is. Yeah, we need to move past as a society
2: where we have the character that goes, don't shoot my dad. He's going to be okay later. And everybody else going, "Um, he's going to be a zombie. How do you not understand this at
0: this point? Get a hug in now because you fucked later.
1: Pre-coronavirus, I would have said, yeah, you're totally right. (laughs) Right. Nowadays, though, after seeing how we've reacted to a real-life plague, uh, I totally believe there would be people who don't believe it or who are bit and don't care or hide it. Um, Just go see how people are reacting to the minorest of inconvenience of having to wear a mask. People would totally be like, oh, I'll be fine. Everything's fine. This is
0: all a lie. I totally buy that now. Unfortunately, geez, <laughs> thanks, John. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> thanks for that reality reminder there. you're fucking right, though, man. Like, people are inconvenienced by the this this shit. I mean, don't get me wrong; I'm not like making light of it because it's it's fucking crazy, and people are dying by the the mass amounts. Yeah, but yeah. There's people who are just inconvenienced by fucking wearing a minor piece of cloth, you know, and it's like, dude, yeah, we're fucked. Someone's hiding a bite. We're right. all screwed. Like,
1: wear a mask and wash your hands, and people are like, "This is an outrageous affront to me as a human being." Uh, so, there's no way we're gonna survive a zombie apocalypse.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's my freedom to live with the zombie curse that I personally chose to get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it's um, it's it's kind of appalling, and it uh, it sucks just wondering like oh how do how do people carry these viruses back into a country of people not affected well it's that mentality of like well whatever i gotta i gotta get home i got i got a 8 p.m meeting on tuesday i can't miss it i don't care if i'm infected with the zero t virus or
0: whatever you know they don't give a shit (laughs) that's (laughs) the problem with raccoon city Just give them some hydroxychloroquine they'll be fine eat it by the handful (laughs) god people are dumb
2: so we're introduced to a, a a a a power struggle we've got our alpha dogs fighting um harry cooper wants everybody to go downstairs ben is upstairs saying no way jose we're going to be safer up here why would we want to cage ourselves in if this shit gets too bad why would we want to have no escape um i'm going to side on ben's side of things at that point i mean why would you want to put yourself in a position to just get boxed in and killed but harry's not listening to logic at this point i guess He's got his health of his daughter on his mind, but that, again, I don't understand why he can't see the reasoning behind what Ben is saying.
1: Yeah, it's a very dumb argument because they're not they're not arguing about different things. If Harry helps defend the outer ring of the house, that makes the basement more secure. Like, I don't understand his point at all. It's defense in depth. Right? I mean, start in the outer ring and then work your way in. And then, yeah, maybe you have a last stand place. But I don't understand why he thinks, oh, no, the basement's the safe place. Because that's just one door. Eh, It's very stupid.
2: Yeah, you think he'd want to fortify his position on all fronts. Right. Yeah, if they break the outer ring, you're more uh, vulnerable.
0: You would think, but... He's, uh, he's three Budweiser's into, uh, his cellar vacation. So what can you do? Yeah.
1: And to make sure we extra despise him. He's also a wife beater and just an all around dick.
0: Yeah. His wife is like, we should help them because, you know, more people can help us out. You know, we should like, you know, and he's like, why I yada? And then he like kind of slaps her when she's like, I'm going to open the door and go help him. He's like, no, you're not. Yeah. He just, I mean, right out the gate, we know we're not supposed to like this guy. But there is a point later on, though, when he goes and gets that TV and he's bringing it downstairs. Do you guys really think he was trying to take that to the cellar? Yes. Okay. All right. I was curious because...
2: 100%. I think he uh, he was all in it for himself only. He didn't give a shit about anybody else's survival. He wanted still to be able to pipe that news in. Uh, but once Ben caught him taking the TV down, he came up with the excuses. I was just bringing it down so everybody could watch it. It's like,
0: no, you weren't dude. Nice try. Well, he says, he's like, I'm not, I wasn't taking it to the basement. You can't get any reception down there. I wouldn't, you know, we couldn't have been able to watch it anyway in the cellar. So like I was just bringing it down here.
1: But I think that's a lie because they get radio reception in the cellar as we see later do we need to get the science of
0: radio versus television waves
1: oh I I think if you could get radio waves you could at least get some basic TV waves also Harry's just a dick he's just taking the TV so other people can't have it so that they'd have to beg him for the TV that's his whole thing the whole movie he's like they're gonna come beg me for help and they're gonna be asking to come in here and we're gonna say no he's a uh, oh fuck from Watchmen
0: it's a power play
2: <laughs> yeah it, it, it's exactly what it is he's not willing to help unless it's his plan he's the one calling the shots he's the one in charge of the the survival mission and because he got outvoted by everybody who's staying upstairs he's not going to have any part of it he's going to let everybody else do the work and he's going to do nothing but stand around and drink that Budweiser to to Ben's uh discredit though I feel that there was a couple options that Ben should have made some different decisions here too
0: oh without a doubt
2: so the plan is to board up all the windows, if you haven't got that yet. They board up the windows for 32 hours of the movie. <laughs> um, they're going to try to find some keys or and get this truck gassed up so everybody can make a run for it to an, another location. But currently, they're stuck. They have no way to get out of here. Um, as we mentioned, these zombies are the slow-moving variety. Uh, there's multiple opportunities for these survivors to get out there and do what they need to do before all the horde of them starts showing up. That's part of my issue with Ben's leadership here is it would have made way more sense to go get that gas when there was like one or two outside, rather than waiting till nighttime
0: when all of them show up. And Barbara makes that point like a couple times. She's like, look, they're slow moving. We can literally walk past them now where there's only like three or four of them. Like you can tell he's listening to her, but like, I don't think he's he's hearing her, but he's not listening to her. And because he's like, yeah, but, you know, they get like five or six of them. Then we're in trouble or, you know, like, and it's like, but no, like Barbara calls it. She's like, if we go now to get that gas, there's only a few of them. We can get past them with a gun. And then Ben's like, no, no seen that happen, not going to risk it. You know, he he kind of just completely shuts it down. And then much later, it's it's far worse situation.
1: They don't even try the Shaun of the Dead defense of just blending in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, this was 1990,
2: man. <laughs> yeah. And th- because it was 1990, this movie seems to have a very current modern theme of, you know, a lot of movies being na- made now kind of have this And I hate to use the term because I don't mean it negatively, but a feminist agenda or or the idea that, you know, men aren't willing to listen to women, uh, that a lot of movies are are really hammering home in a lot of these more modern films. This was doing it uh, 30 years ago, and I think it does a really good job. It made its point across, at least to me, when so many movies just really have to prop that idea out in front where it's more important that you're getting that idea at the cost of maybe good writing, you know what I mean. Um, this one had it baked in, and it was doing it thirty years before some of these more modern movies are trying to get that message out.
0: Well, and I think that's one of the the brilliances of Night Living Dead is that you know even back in the original, <clears throat> it really was. Uh, uh, more of a character study. It was m- much more uh, a look at humans as opposed to the zombies, which I think a lot of modern zombie movies get wrong.
1: Uh, I don't know. I feel like modern zombie movies have beat that fucking point to death. We're the real monster. See eight seasons of Walking
0: Dead or whatever. But it's not so much the, it's not so much the we're the monsters. that Yeah, that stuff is, I'm not talking about like the the the, the subtle intricacies of like like Mark says, people just not like willing to Like, they play their role, they play their part, and they don't really get the nuance of, like, all it took was listening to one thing. Or, you know, just really kind of... Yeah, you're right. I mean, definitely, like, there are exceptions, of course. You know, 28 Days Later, Walking Dead, you know, things like that. I mean, the Walking Dead comics are fucking fantastic for that reason. But um, there's also a lot of movies that just rely on the fact that, like, oh, the zombies are coming. Like, oh, you know, we have to run and play our stereotypes. And Night Living Dead really... While it has those, it was kind of subtle and nuanced in the way it did it originally. Now this one has some of that, but there are, there are also some some played up bits. But I don't know. I, I maybe maybe it's because it was the first time I ever really like really experienced that in a horror film that was like so great. I was like, wow.
1: Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of yelling in this film, uh, this particular version anyway. So I definitely uh, wouldn't call it subtle. But I do get what you're saying. Uh, But man, the back half of this movie is just filled with people yelling at one another.
0: Yeah, the middle half of this movie is nothing but hammering. The back half is nothing but yelling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get to
2: the back half now. I think we're about there. They get the house all boarded up and then nighttime hits. All the zombies are starting to come around. Oh, one of the other things, the, the ability to not want to look for the keys because they are quote unquote could be anywhere. Are you kidding me? Look for the goddamn keys. There's nine of you. Somebody go find these
0: fucking keys. Yeah, what the fuck? well Ben said keep your eye open for any keys that might be you know we might need he says that like as they're boarding up the place but I don't know who was it to decided that they shouldn't look for keys
1: like a group decision and then for one second Helen goes to look for the keys but all she does is go upstairs and ask has anyone seen the keys <laughs> it was the most half-assed look I was like wait is that what you're doing right now uh, and then like a zombie attack happens and it distracts her but like that was her great idea was to go ask them if they've seen the fucking keys like lady if they'd seen the keys they wouldn't still be here yeah
2: if and to, to uh to the viewer if you don't know what we're talking about they're, they're trying to find this gas pump key it, the, the gas pump is apparently locked down across the farmyard and they got to have these keys to open it up and then fill up the truck so they can get the hell out of there now it seems to me if that is such an essential part of the plan we should stop just waving our hands going the keys could be anywhere like no that should be priority one if not priority two after the windows get the goddamn keys
1: yeah. Also, undoubtedly, that is just a rubber hose. They could cut it off of the handle. Would it be perfect? No. But could you shove it in a gas tank and get some gas? Yes. You don't need the keys. Just damage the damn pump. Uh, they. I doubt that that gas tank had a steel-reinforced hose going
0: from the tank to the pump. Don't you have to pull the, the handle to make it like actually flow out the hose? Doesn't it like then cause the suction to open? You no, know, it's
1: like when you siphon gas. This is going to sound terrible, but you got to suck on the hose some to get it running. Yeah. But once you do that, then you just put it in there.
0: So, John, when you're not sucking on the hose, though, <laughs> isn't the gas just always wanting to, like, come out, though? Like, isn't it like, like, if you, like, cut the hose, wouldn't gas just start spraying everywhere?
1: Yeah, it would start spraying everywhere, for sure. So you'd want to shove it in the gas tank as fast as you can so it sprays in the gas tank. Okay,
2: I, did, I didn't know we were going to get hung up on the intricacies of a gas pump mechanism, but here's what I think is going on um as of that i have experience working at a gas station there's the handle you have to lift first that allows the pump to have access to the tank well underneath of gas the lock was probably on that handle john so don't think of the handle like the pump side of it it's the lever that allows the gas to come out of the ground uh. that was probably the lock that was locked down
1: Okay, okay.
2: So people can't steal your gas. Got it. <laughs>
1: I'm going to go with that because that makes a lot of sense, Bark. Good job. New headcanon.
0: <laughs> I'm here to help your headcanon. Just ask. So, yes. So their plan is to um, take a Ben's truck... Get gas at the gas pump, but there is a lock, so they're going to go get it. Now, they divvy up at this point, which I don't know. I personally didn't like the the group, divvy, the, the choices they made for this, but they send Ruby, Ruby Rose, Tom, and then Ben out to go get gas in the truck. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't take a... Well, they're using the torch to keep the zombies away. I was going to say, I would never take a torch near a fucking gas tank ever. But, you know, desperate times and all. And then inside the house is the Coopers and uh, Barbara. Oh man, this part this is about a, uh, an hour and five minutes in. It. This is where everything kind of ratchets up and just does not slow down. They go out to the pump. They are, Ruby is driving way too fast, and Ben just flies off the back of the truck. And as someone who's been thrown out of the back of a truck before, man, that hurts. So <laughs> it um, he's like, you know, Tom's owner is like, you 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 knocked Ben off. You got to stop and they get to the pump and then how do they how does it catch on fire oh he shoots it like he can't find the key here.
1: yeah they have the wrong keys they, so they found keys on a dead body. And they're like, oh, is that your uncle? Because the uh, owner of the house is uh, uh Tom, right? Tom's uncle. They're like, yeah. So they find it. They find a set of keys. They get to the gas pump. And wont wont, it's the wrong key. So they can't unlock the gas pump. So then Tom, in all of his brilliance, shoots the pump. And like Mark said, gas starts spraying everywhere, gets on the torch, and in a Michael Bay-like explosion, just blows the whole fucking car up it is crazy
0: yeah the gas tank the gas pump in the uh the car just fucking go up massive now was that a shotgun or a rifle that he shot it with oh it might have been a
1: rifle i'm not a gun guy
0: yeah i'm not either but like i was looking at it i was, I was like if that was a shotgun a you're a fucking idiot <laughs> i was like <laughs> two if it's a rifle you're a fucking idiot. But okay. Yeah. So that goes up. Ben's fortunately far enough away. He's like, oh, no. Mamma Mia.
2: <laughs> New thing to get Tony Todd to say on Cameo. It's a me, Mario. Mamma Mia. How much would he charge for that?
0: That'd be amazing. <laughs> so he runs back to the house. And inside, at this point, zombies are trying to get through. And they have bu- kind of busted through and grabbed Barbara. And Cooper, at this point, just, what, refuses to help her, right? She's, like, getting attacked.
1: He's such a dick. Well, they're having a fight about the rifle. She's dying. And he's like, give me that gun. I want the gun. He's, like, way more focused on getting the gun than helping Barbara at all.
0: That's right. Cooper wants the gun because that puts him in the in charge of the power dynamic. And then he can call the shots, which god he's a fucking idiot at this point uh tony todd comes back to the house and we're burning through a lot of stuff there's a a lot of amazing monologues and character interactions that really make this movie just brilliant tony todd runs in sees this helps out uh barbara ben and um cooper start getting in a fight
1: oh yeah that's when sarah comes and we see that uh cooper's daughter is now a zombie and ben and barbara are like dude you gotta do it you gotta kill her and uh cooper's like no no
0: i i can't i really respected the fact that they were like dude we don't want to kill your daughter like we're giving you the opportunity to do this like no one wants to have to do that but at the same time like at least they didn't just straight up cap her. they're kind of like this is your your thing
1: yeah and then sarah kills helen bites her helen's just screaming like my daughter ah gets totally bit dead off she goes. Sarah runs upstairs, Ben goes is like fine, I'll take care of this and this is where they get into like a wild west shootout.
0: Yeah, because Cooper won't shoot uh his daughter Sarah who's clearly a zombie who's heading right for Ben and Barbara on the ground and Ben's like dude, you got to do it. You got to do it and then he pulls out a gun to do it himself so they don't get bitten by a zombie and Cooper shoots fucking Ben right through the shoulder. Barbara starts screaming, which I completely understand. I Don't blame her for that at all. Tony Todd's like firing back and then hits um, Cooper on the stairs. Cooper runs upstairs.
1: He retreats to the attic. Ben goes into the cellar. Barbara shoots Sarah and leaves. This is where she's like, all right, fine. I will just go back to plan A that I had three hours ago, which is just walk to the city. Ben goes. So he's shot now. He goes. He's in the basement and he's like listening to the radio or whatever. And they're like, oh, our, our... Uh, safety stations have been overrun, don't go there. And then he finds the gas key in the cellar where he had been fighting to not go the whole time. Dun, dun, dun.
0: I think Tony Todd deserves crazy accolades for this this moment. He gets down in the cellar and he locks it up and he kind of like starts chuckling to himself because he realizes the irony of now he's locked in this cellar, which is where he didn't want to be. And as he's sitting there listening to all this stuff play out over the radio, he looks up and sees the key that's labeled super clearly gas pump. So, yeah, if they had spent three seconds looking for keys in any of the rooms, they would have found this gas pump key. Um, (laughs) You know who I blame
1: for all this? Helen. She was going to look for the gas pump key, didn't even start looking in the room she was in. Her great idea, go upstairs, ask people, got Ben killed. Got everybody killed. Fucking
0: Helen, man. God damn it, Helen. Yeah,
1: fucking Helen, dude.
0: Well, let's
2: let's blame it on Cooper, too. It's both. It's Harry and Helen. They both suck. The key was right there, clearly labeled, ready to go. Um, not only does Ben find the gas key, he finds a zombified Helen. She's down there with him.
0: Yeah. And then we cut away. We don't see any more from Ben. Barbara walking through the field, just slowly like sidestepping zombies, like no problem. Like it's not even an effort. Like she's just like graceful. Like, you know, like she's like a fucking Olympic ice skater. She's just all smooth, just going right past him, shooting the one she's got to shoot, walking away.
1: She totally called it she's like we don't even have to walk fast yeah (laughs) she's just like dude we just have to walk not even at a fast speed and they can't catch us and Ben because he doesn't take any advice from anybody is like that is the craziest idea I have ever heard Uh, turns out Barbara was right the whole
0: time (laughs) girl you tripping (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) and this is definitely the part of the movie where it starts uh, skewing its own path right so at this point we've left the original behind and this movie's doing its own thing
0: well sort of it starts to deviate but yes this is this is about where it starts like slowly branching apart
1: in the original Ben ma- Ben is Barbara. He's the one who makes it out and then I mean spoiler for a 50 plus year old movie he gets shot from the distance uh, by the hillbillies that Barbara's about to run into. Um, and it's an open-ended question if they shot him because he was black or, you know, they thought he was a zombie. They just sh- shoot first and ask questions later. That was, like, the big racial thing of the first movie, uh, which this movie sidesteps to go for the more, like you said, mark feminist angle, which I think works really well.
0: Yeah, that, and that's, that's one of the things that, like, always, like, weirded me out. And, like, I think that really stuck with me when I was, like, younger is when I first saw it. Like, because Ben survives by going to the cellar, like, the thing he didn't want to do. And then he comes out and there's like roving bands of like, you know, militia or just, you know, posses or whatever. And that's when you were supposed to see the scene of them like hanging zombies in the tree. And then he emerges from the house. And then, yeah, they're like over there. And then like they look and then you hear gunshots. And so then they basically have like um, an interview where they're like, you know, like, hey, you know, what's going on? They're Like, oh, yeah, well, they're dead. They're all messed up, which is like my favorite line from this movie. And that's the original And then the sequel, Barbara ends up like falling onto a truck bed full of dead zombies. And then she gets confronted by a bunch of dudes. And I'm going to be honest. I was really worried this was going to get super rapey at this point in the movie. (gasps)
1: Me too. Dude, they were looking at her so
0: weird. I really thought
2: that's where the movie was going too. I was like, oh, she's going to have to fight her way off of these rapey good old boys and i was like oh man movie i don't know if i'm ready for that (laughs) yeah it was like i was like
0: i've been through enough i do not need to see her like survive all this just to basically have a bunch of dudes like go at it i was like oh god please no but she like elbows the guy who's holding her and then they're kind of like they kind of respect it they're like all right cool you're alive you know let's go and they take her back to um I want to call it like a like kind of a makeshift camp where there's a bunch of people, you know, kind of like, you know, good old boy, militia people, bikers, um, and they have set up like, it's just kind of like fucking Lord of the Flies type like law there.
1: it's like a, a fair it's like the state fair for zombies there's all kinds of zombie games people are hanging from trees and you can do target practice they have zombies fighting each other i wouldn't be surprised if off campus they are off camera they had zombie races zombie you know uh rides uh they had really turned this into
0: a whole thing zombie chopped you know with Alton brown i mean you name it i mean, guess the weight of the zombie
1: yeah exactly they put a bunch of zombies in a jar and you had to guess how many they were in the the jar (laughs) it was a (laughs)
0: that's messed up um but yeah so they she rolls up on this this camp And um, that's when we get the interview with the guy. I was like, oh, yeah, we've been doing this, you know, for about a week now. You know, like, yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. So I was so glad they kept that line in there. And then she's looking around and she's it seems like she's checked out, like, like, oh, my God, she may have finally lost it, you know. But then she makes a comment, the, the social commentary of like they're us and we're them, basically, meaning we're we're just as bad as they are. And they're just as bad as we are, you know. In all aspects, and someone's like, What'd you say? And she's like, Nothing. Um, they take her on a raiding party to go back to the house. Like she hears someone saying they found a house, and they go back to that house and they go inside, and out of the, the basement comes uh comes Ben, fully zombified. And one of the dudes in the party, like, boom, shoots him. And it's weird though, because she doesn't really react.
1: She's uh stone cold about it. I mean, I, I think like it must be eating away at her, kind of based on her next action. But uh, face-wise and exterior, yeah, Stone Cold man.
2: I think the reality of what's going on is kind of set in, and, and you know, this is the new norm, right? This is uh, she's gone through such an emotional and character um, change at this point from the beginning to here. This is just how you you have to adapt to survive.
1: So after uh, poor Ben gets shot, Harry comes down from the attic and sees this party and runs right into barbara who just straight shoots him just shoots him right in the head and he is not a zombie harry managed to somehow survive all of this uh so she just killed person harry uh not zombie harry which is a a real bummer (laughs) human harry (laughs) yeah human harry person harry she kills human harry uh, and then she just Turns and is like, "Hey, we have another one for the fire," uh and that's it. She is cold-blooded, man.
0: What's crazy about that too is the two guys that like come to see. Like, and when she shoots, they come like look. They see who she shot, and then they they look at each other like, "That's not a zombie." Like they kind of look at like each other like, "Oh shit," you know. I think she just killed the dude, which kind of goes into her her demeanor because when she's at that camp earlier, watching all the people like just be monsters about everything she's smiling and laughing. And then when people are looking at her and then when they like look away, she like goes back to like being like sad and conflicted. So it's like, it's really weird because before that she's kind of like, Oh, kind of faking it to make it. And here it's almost like at that moment, it's the full switch to this is the new norm for her, which is really fucking crazy.
2: Let's put yourself in Harry Cooper's shoes for a moment. You were just a giant dickhead for the last, I don't know, 82 hours during the whole building and, and uh, putting the boards on the window scene, you really expect Barbara not to shoot you in the head? Because when he came downstairs, he rounded the corner and he's like, oh, great, you came back for me. And then she just blasts him in the brain. I was like, dude, if I saw somebody else who was getting attacked by zombies through a window and I didn't help her and I went and grabbed her gun and then I fired several rounds at her, I would run the other direction. I'd be like, oh, God, she's back. I'm fucking out of here. You know what I mean? <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's very clueless. He is through and through. He's like a classic, I think, narcissist. He only thinks about himself and how everything in the universe must be for his benefit. And so, yeah, when he saw Barbara, he was like, sweet, you know, rescue party. Barbara was like, sweet. I get a chance for some of that awesome, awesome revenge. Uh, And does not hesitate, man. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like, I I feel like she also kind of has that, like, she blames Cooper for... That whole situation too
1: definitely i think she thinks it's his fault that ben is the zombie which it is because he shot him
0: yeah he did shoot ben so like to be fair but at the same time it's like i think she also has this like weird kind of detachment from the situation of like like kind of like you guys mentioned earlier like if we had just done what i said we probably could have fucking avoided this
2: you think you think a narcissist of his level would have some sort of self-preservation instinct Uh, Barbara is the
0: opposite of self-preservation and he should have known that immediately. Yeah, the ending of this one, I mean, I definitely, the the ambiguity and like the kind of racial like aspect of the first one was a very unique, interesting kind of like moral, like holy shit, you know, kind of thing. I think this ending though is much more impactful. I mean, you definitely lose some of the, the racial aspect of it, which is, you know, was very important at the time. But in this one, I think like watching her really kind of like live out this whole like, holy shit, you know, like it is it's fucking chaos. And that's just the way it is. And like really kind of like almost come to her own of like, well, I made it because I wasn't these assholes, you know, is just really I don't know. It, it's, it fills me with that same sense of like uneasy kind of like I'm not sure what I'm. It makes me feel like I feel like when I watch a Spike Lee film, like I'm just not sure what I'm supposed to feel right now. You know? Hmm.
1: Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense.
0: So that's it. That's Night of Living Dead, 1990.
2: I think if this film had played itself completely straight and just copied the original beat-for-beat all the way through, we wouldn't even be talking about this movie right now. I think it would fall in line of something like, uh, in my opinion, like the Freddy Krueger remake, where that one was just beat-for-beat, the original Wes Craven film, because this one tried to do something different at the end I think it's it just really it stands itself out from a lot of those other lackluster remakes
0: yeah that's uh, that's definitely I, you guys definitely kind of like stated how you felt about it but um, you know would you guys recommend it
2: I think so I think I would recommend it for not alone just Tony Todd's Uh, performance in this one i think is makes makes this worthwhile
1: yes i'd agree with that if you haven't seen it you definitely should and i should i guess clarify my opening statement in where i said i wouldn't watch this movie again i wouldn't like put it on and watch it but if someone were like hey do you want to watch this or if someone hadn't seen it and was like hey do you want to watch this with me i would watch it in that context uh it's not like unwatchable or anything i just don't see myself ever thinking like Man, I could really watch the 1990 Night of the Living Dead remake. Like, I don't think it's an idea that'll ever pop into my head, to be honest.
0: That That's fair. Um, Again, this is one of those movies I own. And um, when I feel like watching an old school zombie movie, my go-to zombie movie, of course, is 28 Days Later. But like, if I want to watch an old school zombie flick, it's usually Night of the Living Dead. And I got to be honest, like, I, I go between which one I put on, you know, sometimes I'll put on the uh, the old you know, black and white one and sometimes I'll put on this 1990s one. And I think that's that helps me not get burnt out on one or the other. But I think that also works because they are so similar that I don't feel like I'm missing out or I feel like I have to watch the other movie, you know?
2: Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's really going to come down to the uh, individual viewer's exhaustion level of the zombie genre. I think John's not going to throw this one on or any other zombie movie for that matter because we're just kind of tired of the genre as a whole. You know, who's to say in 10 years time, maybe there won't be the exhaustion that we have now. And they'd be like, man, what is one of the good zombie films? I bet somebody is going to say the remake Night of the Living Dead. I think that will come up in conversation because there's a lot of bad zombie films. Um, I think this is
0: one of the better ones.
1: I'd agree with that.
0: It'll be interesting to see where in, in time, because I mean, this, this film does feel really forgotten, but no one really references this 90s remake. And I wonder if that's just because they're not uh, aware of it or if it's because it really is, in some people's minds, the the inferior of the two. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this movie ages. There's a lot here that that amplifies the original and there's a lot here that also kind of like is left out of the original. But again, I think that's because it's very much a product of its time. I,
2: I think this one will, this one may even even now be starting to be turning around in the public consciousness. You know, back then they didn't like it. I think people are starting to come around to it. And I think that's only going to grow as time goes on. So really, listener, what you need to take away from this episode, if you're going to remember anything that the Grave Talk has ever said over our two and a half years of existence in this podcast realm, is that A... That RoboCop 2014 remake is a piece of shit. Don't you ever watch it. And two, don't shoot a gas tank with a shotgun or a rifle. Would you please?
1: And of the two, if you only want one takeaway, it's that RoboCop is a piece of shit.
2: Yeah, that's the information that's going to save your life.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay, you've, you've learned so much with us today.
2: <laughs> well, thanks for joining us again for another episode. If you want more Grave Talk content, you can find more at www.thegravetalk.com. Have you seen this movie? Where does it rank among your zombie films? Do you like the original more than this remake? Let us know on our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, what's next? What are we doing? Frighteners? Is that correct?
0: I believe Frighteners is next, yes.
2: Okay. The Michael Jackson. The Michael
0: Jackson. The Michael J. Fox. The Michael J. Fox. uh Not Gary Busey, uh, Jake Busey, Horror Comedy.
2: Okay, we'll teaser for you guys. I've never actually seen this movie all the way through. I've only seen like 10 minutes of it. So, okay. Well, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.